Ah, oh, for Christ's sake, Anakin. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. I'm your host, Matthew Nugabauer. It is the 18th of February, year of our Lord, 2018. Year of Common Era, 2018, whatever floats your boat there. It is Sunday, uh, Sunday night. It was, it was not too bad here in, uh, getting warmer here in suburban Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Thornhill, to be exact. Thought I'd give you a little weather. It's also the first Sunday of Lent, and I had the privilege of preaching uh, this morning at the parish of St. Paul's Lamoureux. Uh, I preached, didn't preach on the gospel, I preached on uh, the lust from Genesis and the Ark, and uh, I think I mentioned a little bit of that in The Last Jedi, but my Last Jedi talk. But tonight, we're talking, as promised, about... Uh, Palpatine as a, a symbol for Satan and the parallels there, um, which is apropos because the gospel for this morning is, of course, uh, Mark's account of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Um, and so we, we look, he comes to him. And of course, Matthew and Luke have more extensive accounts of that. But uh, first off, before I get into that, it is the first Sunday in Lent. I got my handy little pear cider here that I'm going to take a sip of right now. Summersby pear cider. If you if you know me, uh, you know, I, I don't like pears. <laughs> I know it's kind of a odd heretical statement, but I like to... I'm fairly convinced that the pear was the fruit in the Garden of Eden. Um, could be wrong about that, but you never know. Well, of course I'm wrong. It's not a it was not a real fruit, not a not a literal story, but I like to think it was because there's this temptation to be less than you are, and I think the pear is less than it could be, and what it could be is an apple, and so uh, that's partly actually legitimately true. I probably don't like pears because I think apple, and then I taste something different, just like how people thought. Luke was this bombastic you ignite the green Jedi and turns out he was grumpy up on his mountain octo so uh, serves me right I'm drinking this pear cider I had some avocado some guacamole um, bit of a digression here but you know um, I'm drinking this pear cider to affirm that I am wrong that pears are actually pears in their own right and not simply wannabe apples. After Easter, I'll go back to thinking they're wannabe apples. Um, how am I Star Warsing these days? Well, it's been a few weeks. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to think about what the rhythm and pattern of this show is going to be. I'm trying to get into that with other things going on. Um, it's a bit of news, of course. The, the solo trailer finally dropped and uh, at the Super Bowl, so it was a few weeks ago. I, I gotta say, it looked way better than I thought it would be. I didn't know what I was expecting. Um, I don't know. Probably some goofy over-the-top story, uh, but now that Ron Howard's on board and um, everyone at Lucasfilm is, is all hands on deck, it looks like a more serious story. This heist film. But whenever the Empire's involved, it gives this weight to this gravitas to the story that there is this larger galaxy that is coherent. It's not 
don't make the galaxy too small problem, but that is a coherent galaxy, and that they're at this time they're it's the reign of of good old Sheev. Um, so that was interesting. Interesting to see the Falcon design. I think it looks fantastic. I think it makes perfect sense the way Lando would own it. Um, you want to be classy and stylish, and and that's the thing about about this trailer is both both the the Super Bowl teaser, sorry, and then the 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 full teaser that came out the next morning. Donald Glover, he just he won the Super Bowl. Move over, Justin Timberlake. Yes, I'm glad the. Falcons won. I'm glad the Patriots lost. I used to be a Patriots fan. That's a whole other story. Um, speaking of Dark Lords of the Sith, I... Yeah. It, he looks so cool. He looks so right. Even down to a little... There's a there's an Instagram photo of kind of his hand wave that, uh, that, that Billy D. Williams did in, in Empire, I think, and Donald Glover reflected it exactly um so just down to i mean when the beard is all different but um it's gonna be fantastic everyone looks great i'm still you know it's 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 solo it's it's not i was never as excited about this um i'm not kind of downplaying it i'm gonna see it you know maybe at least four times but this is actually doing its job and getting me excited for it so so that's fun. Um, yeah, and then... Uh, yeah, how else am I Star wars uh, Comic books. The, the Ashes of a Jedi arc uh, just concluded. Um, it was a very interesting conclusion. It, the way it, the, it's Luke and Leia going back to Jedi and finding out what happened with Rogue One and uh, teaming up with, uh, with, with uh, Benthic Two Tubes. I think, or, or sister kind of hatchmate, eggmate, um, family member, with the partisans, and, and just an interesting thing, and some things about Luke, uh, you know, seeing multiple sides of the Force, and seeing, um, multiple ways of being in the Force that are beyond the Jedi, but facing death, facing darkness, um, and as we'll go into later, facing it in, in these multiple sides in a way that was different than the way his father did. Um, and so, so very fascinating, Karen Gillan. Thank you for taking over. <laughs> um, yeah, biggest news, biggest thing, uh, Rebels is tomorrow, and I'll uh, try and include more reactions. It, it's kind of funny, it's hard to be too amped up excited. Maybe I'm more excited than I think I am, but. Uh, than I feel like I am, but it's uh, it's final. The last few episodes finally. Maybe I'm just more sad that it's ending. It's such a great story. Um, see what happens. So, uh, yeah. So that that goes tomorrow night. Um, probably because you know I got Discovery finished, and that that did end up stronger than it was. Um, watching Olympics a lot. Another thing I'm doing. Uh, Reading uh, Tales of the Jedi, the comic book series from the mid-90s that I haven't read yet. And uh, I think I mentioned before, that was that was a collecting project where I'd go to conventions, go to comic book stores, and just tr- just set out a goal of going to collect every single one of the issues 
and then read them through. And so I've read uh, almost done the second arc. Um, it's the, the fall of the Sith Empire. And it's Legends. It's my Legends dip. And I think this year is going to be a bit more of a Legends dip, which is fine. Right? Especially because there's no saga film coming out. Of course, I'm going to have some canon and some other, reading some other things. Um, the, but yeah, Tales of the Jedi. It's interesting. The, those first two arcs, I was a little, as I started reading the first book, like, oh, these are, these are characters I don't know. It's a time I don't know. Um, but they jump right in. It's just fantastic storytelling where it gets you in, especially if you read, uh, issue zero of Tales of the Jedi. Um, it's fantastic. It grabs you in into the wider context of what's happening uh, at that time, and there's this very fascinating ancient feel to it. Very ancient Egyptian. Um, you feel like you're in. You're, you're, yeah, you feel like you're in the Star Wars universe. They nailed this thing, this balance where you're in the Star Wars universe, but clearly millennia before. Uh, clearly, so these two arcs are set about four thousand years before A New Hope. Um, there's still the Sith Empire, and the Sith Empire, the Sith look like the Sith species that was developed in Legends. Um, and so, yeah, very, very interesting um, to see, and, and, and uh, even the ships. And I'm talking especially the ships. Look, they have masts, and they have lines even though their their starships um the the, the lightsabers are, are these ancient they look far far more organic looking almost um and i mean you see korriban or you know before you know while was when it was the sith burial ground and you see coruscant you see ancient coruscant and that's the fascinating part of that is um I don't quite know the chronology of this, but I do know that uh, in the Gregory, the Gregory, Timothy Zahn series, the Thrawn series, Coruscant's mentioned as the capital. And they go there, but we don't really see it until, I think, the comic adaptation. I don't quite know when the comic adaptation of the Thrawn trilogy was. Um, but I do know Tales of the Jedi. Tales of the Jedi, you see ancient Coruscant. And... This, the Senate building is kind of outside chamber, so it's almost almost a Greek Roman feel there. Um, the funny thing, the, the fall of the Sith Empire came out in 1996, so Episode One was clearly in pre-production. Um, the you'd see when you'd actually see quote unquote present day Coruscant uh, for ABY at the Battle of Endor or in this in the special edition one of the places where they go celebrate. And so I, I believe that's right. And then of course you see it in, in Phantom Menace. So this is just two years before. So it's, it's fascinating how things were starting to get bunched up and coordinated. And um, I wonder if they intentionally wanted the people at Lucasfilm said, Hey, uh, I should go to Coruscant, uh, involve that just to get some buzz. I don't know. Maybe because it was already the capital of the ancient republic. Um, well, so, uh, and, and it remained the capital of the ancient republic and then the galactic republic. And then uh, 
the Empire. And then the rest is history. The rest is legend, <laughs> I should say. Um, speaking of the Empire, then. That Emperor, and uh, while even, even back in, in July, it was pretty clear if I was going to do an episode on the Christian belief on, on the ancient enemy, Satan, and uh, who would be, it would be Darth Sidious, it would be Palpatine. But here's the funny thing, it is just before I launch into it, um, Alex Damon over at Star Wars Explained, he made an interesting parallel here, just a bit of an aside, how uh, Kylo Ren, who was answering the question, did uh, what happened to the with Luke's temple and, and, and all that. So there's this interesting parallel where uh, part of what's happening there with with Ben Solo revolting against Luke is he's revolting against Luke. It isn't just that Luke is trying to snuff him out. I mean, we still know with Snoke that the dark side had already crept in. Um, so I think you make him case for Snoke being a satanic figure. Um, but Kylo Ren as Lucifer, this young, fresh-faced, brash, kind of goes on way, takes, tries to destroy what Luke has built and does destroy what Luke has built. Um, and then, and then goes and takes out, takes the Knights of Ren or whoever this band. And, and Alex Damon at Star Wars Experience said, you know, it's similar to what Lucifer did, right? Lucifer, what scripture records and tradition records Lucifer uh, being the, the light bearer, the the great song master saying, no, I'm going to go chart my own course on my own. I don't need you, God. <laughs> and taking taking his band with him. Um, so that's an interesting parallel. There, there's maybe more to think about that. I'll see. But, uh, the main line here is, I mean, is good old Sheev, I shouldn't say good old too much, uh, Palpatine and, 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 and Satan. And, and what, and so what do Christians believe about, about the ancient enemy? If you will, Shatan, Hashatan means, in Hebrew means the adversary. It's where the name comes from. Because the name... Lucifer, he's an archangel who rebels against God and takes a third of the angels with him um, in his rebellion. Uh, in a way, yes, there, there's a sense of a cosmic battle, good versus evil, and so he's the evil. Um, in the Christian monotheistic worldview, Good doesn't need evil to be good. Um, evil needs good to be evil, <laughs> in, in that sense. Um, and I think kind of what I was getting at, believe what I've talked about with with life and death and new life with the Last Jedi. Um, and, and I'll go into go into death specifically in another episode. I'll talk about that at the end. Um, yeah, we believe that. We believe, Christians believe uh, in the tradition. This isn't necessarily the original intent in Genesis chapter 3, but the tradition picks up that the serpent, 
in, in that tempts Eve and and Adam to eat the fruit is actually Satan trying to continue his rebellion against God. Um, definitely, what you see in in, in the Pauline epistles, you see in a lot, even probably implied in in prophetic literature. Um, what we see in uh, yeah, definitely, especially in Pauline epistles and the belief of the brokenness of this world, um, that sin gives authority of the world over to Satan and the forces of evil, um, to that dominion, so to speak. In Job, we see that very strongly how God lets let Satan tempt Job. Um, so here's the thing, though, is, uh, and, and this I owe in part to, to Mike Climo, who uh, in October, I'm just looking at it now, last October, he posted this interesting parallel, and because we usually think the main thing with Palpatine is with Anakin, and that's true. But early on, uh, in episode one, posted this photo talking, looking at uh, Senator Palpatine whispering in Padme's ear, saying, "the The Republic is already corrupt, and um, you can't trust them. Go, <laughs> go back, and you know you gotta call for a new new chancellor and, and whatnot." And um, this is the sneaky thing, right? Just like. Uh, and, and well, sorry. So the, the parallel there is uh, the serpent tempting Eve to pluck the fruit. You gotta go on your own. The 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 sneaky thing, and the, the more intri- not more interesting, but this gets at an aspect of uh, of Satan that actually does is in the Genesis narrative, but not as explicitly is in Episode One. I mean, that's the thing. Palpatine's right. <laughs> the Republic is corrupt it's in control of the bureaucrats and if Padme wants to end this blockade and seek justice for people of Naboo she actually does need to push some things through and get new leadership um, Mike Climo includes this quote from George Lucas saying but of course we also or to the effect that we also know that uh, <laughs> um Palpatine is simply using the situation and he's going to be the one to manipulate the bureaucracy to, on the one hand, inhibit justice, on the other hand, commit mass injustice throughout the galaxy. Um, and and this the whole point of wanting a new chance, the whole point of the blockade, the whole point of the Clone Wars, as we know, is to position Palpatine such that he... he can wipe out the Jedi in in the blink of an eye, the push of a button. Well, calm button, saying execute, execute order sixty six. Um, and the point, but the George Lucas's quote there is, even in Episode One, we see the fall of the Republic um, by Palpatine whispering in in Padme's ear, um, and even Padme who knows better 
Um, I mean, that's the thing about her arc is to some degree, I mean, she, she's amazing. She's, she's one of the most awesome characters in, in all of Star Wars. Even she couldn't prevent the rise of the Empire. Um, the way, you know, with her and with Obi-Wan, I see these characters doing their best in impossible situations. Um, because, and, and this is one of the big things that we see in, in Genesis. We see in, I think even, even in contemporary shows, um, I've only seen previews of them, but contemporary shows where, you know, if we encountered Satan on the street today and by the street, in, in, in the world today, uh, <laughs> would he be, uh, have the horns and the tongue and the tail and all that? Not a chance. He would be in a suit, very sharply dressed. Um, you know, some some things p- depict him as a very seductive woman who turns. You know, I mean, that's a little misogynist, but um, there, there's a tradition of uh, uh, lady folly trying to trick unsuspecting men into. <laughs> Uh, men who who think with with other parts of their body other than their brain, um, or in in one the very slick businessman who uh, convinces you of what the, the what you really want is to give him power and let him take care of you. Of course, and and that's even what Palpatine does with with Padme, right? Give me power and I'll take care of Naboo. Um, you know, and I mean, it's this is the depth of the tragedy of, of this, right? It's sad to think even Padme wasn't able to stop it, right? Even Padme, and again, this is that that Palpatine was so slick and so so forward thinking and so deceitful, so insidious. That he was able to to uh, manipulate even her into playing a part in the rise of the empire. Um, she did her absolute darndest, and those scenes in, in *Revenge of the Sith* are canon in my mind, where she plays a major part in in, in orchestrating his downfall, in, in in creating the Rebel Alliance, in in nascent form um, but that's the thing is for Palpatine on the one yeah so, there, so there's two things there is he's very warm and congenial to uh, to other fellow politicians fellow senators to the Jedi uh, he's presenting them as presenting himself as as the the uh, reform candidate, the one who's going to clean things up, um, you know, in a way that's true. In a way, I mean, he he does. The empire becomes incredibly efficient in some ways. Not really. I mean, not really in too many ways. I mean, empires are rarely as efficient as they claim to be. But um, he did. Yeah, he does that. So 
but he presents and he presents himself as the great hope and gives people what they need uh, which interestingly in episode 2 I think that's also a deleted, deleted scene Padme and Anakin are talking about democracy um, representative, kind of representative democracy versus direct democracy versus a kind of benevolent dictatorship and uh, Anakin's thinking in line of this benevolent dictatorship that Palpatine's gonna supposedly bring in and Padme Padme isn't fully on complete kind of anarchic or or even representative democracy strong a strongly representative thing she's for uh, she is for entrusting leaders to to lead the people with wisdom um Right and and uh, whereas yeah Anakin and and, and the people with wisdom and and uh, not necessarily just giving them what they want and that's the thing about about Palpatine is uh, ultimately he gives the core worlds especially what they want especially the human centric core worlds what they really want this is my second point is when we talk about the powers and principalities of the age. Um, in the first century, that was uh, Roman, the Pax Romana. The, the, the Roman Empire is going to establish your peace and security and safety as long as you just sell your soul to them. Uh, that phrase, right? Um, Palpatine, at the height of the Empire, sorry, in in Episode 1 even, he uh, he represents the very corruption of the Republic. Even as he's trying to combat it deceitfully, he's a liar. That's the point. But he's also gives the core worlds, because the core worlds... They're human-centric, especially after the Clone Wars. They're terrified of all these other species that happen to join the the Separatists because the core world just only cared about enlarging their own wealth and their own uh, prestige. And the, the inhabitants of the core world, the human inhabitants of the core worlds, and so creating this very technocratic, human-centric empire that can preserve the opulence of the core while enslaving the rest of the galaxy. Um, that's what he ends up doing. So, so that's, that's the powers and principalities, right? The powers and principalities of the galaxy at the time. That's partly why, uh, you know, at the end of The Last Jedi, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's the point of the Canto Bite sequence entirely right um, that that's still there even though Palpatine himself is being defeated the very thing that caused him is hasn't been the very thing that caused him I mean how can it really in some ways it only will can only start to subvert it by uh, Investing in these these nobodies and training them and, and 
gathering together as a family uh, to submit to the will of the force that is for true order and for true peace by maintaining the integrity of the people involved. So finally, the great manipulation, the great tragedy of the prequels is, and it's something, you know, and I, I'll admit, when I first saw Revenge of the Sith, and this is a bit of a confession, when I first saw it, um, I thought Anakin's turning scene was too fast. I, I didn't feel it. Um, but I wonder if that's more to do with my level of maturity in watching the film. Um, you know, I, I I get that so much more. Right? If you look back with episode one, this is a slave boy who the new chancellor says, you're special. We'll watch your career with interest. <laughs> There's in episode two, we, he already is having, we already know he's having these private sessions with the, with the chancellor. Can you imagine the slave boy has been taken on by this man. Slave boy who's never had a father, who the Jedi, I mean, are trying to offer him a family, but can only go so far. Um, we know from... And so I'll just think of the films for now. We hear in episode 3, right? Palpatine being, being very caring and uh, warm again. You know, I'm talking to the dreams. He goes, Anakin goes to Yoda and is told I mean, the right advice. Told, let go. Or what you fear to lose. I mean, whether that's the right advice, that's a whole other debate. But told the advice that the Jedi are going to give. Regardless of, you know, that's all I mean. Palpatine said, told him instead what he wants to hear. First he says, you know, he told you, he says, you told me what happened with your mother. Right? Um, he's told, I mean, th this is the biggest thing. This is why that opera house scene is easily one of the most important scenes in the whole saga. It's, it's dialogue. He lets him in on this secret knowledge of the Sith. Right? Just to be brought in to a secret is fun and interesting, no matter what age you are. And it's a secret that says, promises, oh, you can save Padme's life. Um, implies it, rather. Implies falsely that uh, maybe there's the source of Anakin's origin. Right? There, there's an interesting parallel with Rey, right? Um, Anakin, both Anakin and Rey, as Palpatine says, a life of, of significance. Um, because they've come from, at least they've been told they've come from a life of insignificance. So both of Anakin and Rey, uh, they desperately want to believe that their origins have more to do and Ray is able to accept the truth Anakin I mean the truth of Anakin is stranger <laughs> stranger than anything right? I mean, with Ray it's in, intentionally very ordinary 
the truth about Anakin, well, he doesn't really accept. He doesn't actually accept that he was created by the will of the Force to bring balance. He wants a father. <laughs> That's the thing. So, so Palpatine really tugs on his heartstrings throughout the prequel trilogy. Yes, we're shown in the the new, relatively new kind of, I think 2016 Obi Wan Anakin comic uh, flashbacks of, of more of that Clone Wars series shows a few things, but really it, it's Palpatine promising Anakin a family, and, and that's the that's the allure of the enemy is even. Uh, even things we need the promise to just grab it and grab hold of it rather than what we see with Luke and what we see with Rey is this patient acceptance and willingness to uh, join a family Anakin wants to lead and <laughs> wants to go forward um, and it ends up his attempt to grasp, this offer to grasp. Again, just like the fruit, to grasp what he thinks he needs and to control it. Ends up on his knees. Uh, I mean, you know, and, well, first of all, ends up causing Mace Windu's, Windu's death. And that's the last straw. He ends up on his knees. And the final piece in the puzzle that Darth Sidious needs is Darth Vader um, to to take over and, and create the Empire um, it's it's almost the tragedy of Darth Vader the lonely <laughs> is, is one way of putting the prequels the the master plan of Darth Sidious so Lent at this time then one of the lessons is you know, even the things we need um, even things that seem true we still have to question how we're getting there what are the, what are the means because for Christians I mean ends and means and ends never justify means it's not never that simple it's always ends are defined in part by the means, and the means define the ends too. Um, or sorry, I should say, the end does define the means to some degree, right? Um, you know, talking about uh, the four last things, and I'll get there in a second, but heaven, you know, eternal life, is given to us. It isn't grasped and, and controlled. And so the means that which we live towards that end are give us today our daily bread. Um, and yet in the temptation of Christ, you know, uh, Satan says to Jesus, command these stones, control these stones uh, to turn into bread. I could say to it, a pear, command this pear to turn into an apple. And that would be to violate the integrity of the pear, violate the integrity of the stones. 
does Jesus himself later say, if we keep silent in affirming his lordship, then those very stones will actually cry out and do it for us. Um, so that's the, the one of the hard lessons of Lent. Um, keep watch for, for the enemy prowls around. I want to be careful. I don't really buy much of the spiritual warfare stuff anymore. I don't actually think that Christians in prayer can do much about <coughs> fighting against Satan. That's not our job. Because he's already been defeated. That's the thing. Um, the crucifixion, resurrection of Christ actually, yeah, crushes his head while he bites his heel. Um, we need to keep, we do need to keep watching, just be aware. <coughs> Sorry, and receive the spirit of truth. Uh, so that those are my thoughts on Palpatine, on Satan, on truth and deception. Um, hopefully that was uplifting. Hopefully it wasn't too depressing. <coughs> um, <coughs> sorry, Let me take a swig of this pear cider here. There we go. Um, so I mentioned the four last things. It's a bit more housekeeping. So it's during Lent, and I think I. I was mistaken. I should know what the four last things are. Um, uh, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. The four last things that Christ has. <coughs> death and hell have been defeated. Judgment and heaven have been gained. Good judgment, right judgment, have been gained for the Christian through the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. And and, and, and I mean, Christ has attained the throne of judgment. I'm going to go into those four things uh, throughout Lent, and those are usually more Advent things. But why not and see, see where those things are in Star Wars? I'll I'll play around with that. Um, for that sounds interesting to you, um, and uh, hopefully. You appreciate listening to this episode 21 of For Christ's Sake Anakin. You can give me a follow on Twitter at NEUG485. Follow on Instagram at MNEUG1138. Thanks so much for listening. Have a holy Lent, and may the Force be with you always. <laughs>